I'd like to draw your attention back to the, to the second stanza of our previous hymn. It reads as thus, Christ from the Father, every power possessing, who on his chosen lifted hands in blessing, sends forth his servants, still in faith confessing, we are his witnesses. There are two approaches to theology which seek to understand Christ and his glory and mankind's relation to him. On the one hand, the theology of glory sees Christ's glory as an example for mankind to follow and to live up to. The theology of glory believes that by living according to Christ's example, we can be all that we can be, like the U.S. Army television commercial suggests. However, the cross of Christ tells a different story, and we who are witnesses to Christ's death and resurrection understand that his glory cannot be lived up to. In contradiction to the theology of glory, then, the theology of the cross believes that we cannot attain the glory of God's righteousness by our own choice, that we cannot live up to the glory of Christ's righteousness, and any righteousness we have is a gift received from God. Christ in his glory accomplished what was impossible for us to accomplish. Still, those who hold to the theology of glory see Christ's ascension and his exalted state as the glory which they must strive to attain. Yet, if we are to properly understand the glory of Christ, then through the theology of the cross, we must come to realize that the cross of Christ is the glory of his ascension. Christ's true glory is found in his crucifixion. It is not where the apostles themselves expected. Before his ascension, Christ declared those who had seen him alive again to be his witnesses, who would carry the good news of his cross to the ends of the earth. However, we see in the text that they were expecting the renewal of the Davidic kingdom, the expulsion of the Romans, and the end of Israel's captivity by foreign powers. They thought that God intended to restore the glory of the earthly kingdom of Israel, and in their nationalistic pride, they did not recognize the scope of their own witness. The apostles at first saw Christ's glory as the glory of human achievement. They did not at first find the glory of Christ in his suffering on the cross. They were still seeing Christ's glory through the eyes of human achievement. Christ's glory is not to be found in the facade of this world's temporary glory. There are beautiful, extravagant examples of architectural achievement in the world, including many amazing cathedrals and churches built to glorify God. Yet they are all temporary, and not one of them will stand forever. Hagia Sophia, the Church of Holy Wisdom in Istanbul, was once a Greek Orthodox patriarchal basilica. It later became an Islamic mosque, and today is nothing more than a museum dedicated to a once glorious past. Yet unlike such monuments, Christ's glory is not temporary. It's everlasting. Though such feats of human endeavor may seek to glorify God, no building or temporary achievement can ever be Christ's glory. 
His glory is not found in our vain pursuits of glory. The powerful, the mighty, the magnificent of this world, they all have one thing in common with Christ. They all die. Death puts an end to all vain pursuits of glory, including our own. Where are the pharaohs? Where is Alexander the Great? Where is Julius Caesar and the Roman emperors? Where is the glory of history's great people now? Were they not all that they could be? As for us, where will our own glory be after we have been gone from this world for even a hundred years? Names of the world's great and glorious people might be read in books and talked about in class lectures. There may be institutions built and foundations established in our name, but these two will fade into the mist of time. We who vainly pursue glory for ourselves and seek to show the world our greatness turn back into the dust from which we came. Our glory becomes little more than pages in the world's almanac, which too will fade from existence. But Christ's glory is not vain. Christ did not die for the mere possibility of sins being atoned for and eternal life being given. His glory is not an interesting historical fact, but a current and everlasting reality. The glory of Christ is found on the cross where he died. It is found in his bleeding wounds, which poured out the forgiveness of our sins. His glory is not that he was just an innocent man who died defending a truth which he taught. His glory is that he made atonement for the sins of the whole world by his holy and precious blood. Blood from the incarnate word of God, the flesh of the almighty creator of all flesh. His glory was in suffering what nobody else could and in giving what could in no otherwise be gained. He suffered the sins of the entire world and gave atonement, full atonement, for all sin through his divine blood. There on the cross, Jesus was all he can be, restoring life to a world dead in its sin. The glory of his ascension to the Father is only glorious if its glory is found in his cross. The crucifixion of Christ then exposes the theology of glory. By his humiliation, Christ unveiled the falsehood of the theology of glory. He laid aside his divine attributes and suffered the full extent of our human nature. He humbled himself to our death, even his death on the cross. By worldly standards of glory, nothing is less glorious than losing when one can achieve victory. Athletes train for years to perfect the muscle memory needed to be champions. Doctors spend years in training to save lives. If the theology of glory were true, though, if it were true, and we could be righteous, and we could accomplish true goodness by mere choice, then the cross of Jesus was anything but glorious. On the cross, he gives up his life. On the cross, his heart stops beating. In the eyes of the world and in terms of the theology of glory, upon the cross, Christ was stripped of his glory. Yet in terms of the theology of the cross, his death was far more glorious than any other possible achievement. For in giving up his life, 
He gained for us eternal life and salvation from sin, death, and the power of the devil. The false view of the theology of glory is further exposed by the witness of his apostles. It seeks to make the work of evangelism man's work rather than God's. However, those who were called to be Christ's witnesses found that the cross of Christ gave glory to the crosses they themselves bore. Amidst the suffering of his witnesses, the gospel message was heard by countless saints who themselves carried the apostles' witness forward in the church's history. Yet the message of forgiveness through the blood of Christ did not come through human achievement, but through God's own work in those he chose to be his witnesses. For it is by the Holy Spirit that saints believe and are baptized, and it is the glory of God which preaches the gospel, not the glory of man. Without the gift of the Holy Spirit, Christ's witnesses cannot be all that they can be. As baptized, forgiven Christians, we too, we too expose the theology of glory. The faith we have makes known that we did not choose for Christ to die on the cross for our sins. By the Holy Spirit, we confess and believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came into our flesh. Our belief comes from God's achievement, not our own. The Holy Spirit calls us to repentance and leads us in faithful worship where we receive forgiveness. Believing God's works by his chosen means of grace to remove the guilt of our sin, it's not an ability we come naturally with or exercise by choice. Our belief, our worship, our witness, therefore, is the work of the Holy Spirit, exposing the theology of glory by our own suffering for the sake of Christ. None of us who bears the mark of Christ's crucifixion on our foreheads or on our hearts is without his or her own cross. We all bear the burden of our imperfections and those of other people. As Christians, we care about people. We are vulnerable to the needs of others, and we try to love others as Christ has loved us. Yet, in bearing our crosses, we testify to the world that we are unable to fully bear our own crosses, as Christ in his humiliation was unable to complete the journey to Calvary unaided. His weakness and the glory of his humiliation, these gave witness to our weakness and our need for Christ to bear the burden of our suffering. We will all day, all one day die. And unlike the glory of Christ, we do not possess the ability to restore life to our deceased bodies. In dying, we find that the theology of glory is destroyed by our need for a Savior. The cross, though, now gloriously and continuously glorifies the ascended Christ the once humiliated Christ has ascended to the Father's right hand. His true glory was shown in his humiliation, and now he has been exalted with the highest authority. Christ has ascended to make intercession on our behalf before the Father. He has presented his holy blood to the Father as atonement for our sin, given in our baptism. Though Christ's risen body is now invisible to the world, he is still present in his word and sacrament through which we now receive his glory. He who appeared defeated on the cross now possesses complete authority over death 
and prepares an eternal dwelling place for those who believe in him. After Christ's ascension, the Holy Spirit was given to his apostles. By the Holy Spirit, the apostles bore witness to the cross and received true glory. God worked through them, giving sight to the blind as unbelievers came to believe, making the crippled to walk as hardened hearts turned toward Christ, walking on the waters of baptism, feeding his body and blood to thousands. In their witness, the apostles saw Christ taking away the fear of death by his cross and received his glory as faithful witnesses to his cross. And we are also his witnesses. Christ has also given us the Holy Spirit, by which we believe and have life in his name. We receive his glory as freed children of God. We were all once enslaved to sin and death, but were set free by the glory of Christ. His crucifixion means our forgiveness and our adoption by the Father to be his children. We can now live free of guilt as witnesses to the glory of the cross. And as his witnesses, we too see God at work in our lives as our faith expresses the love which the Father has for all people. We have joy and peace in knowing that our Father provides for us. And Christ has truly freed us from false theology so that through his cross we are all, we all are all we can be and ever hope to be. Our witness to Christ then prepares the world for his return. Now that Christ is ascended and working by the power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the truth of his glory, the suffering which he endured in his humiliation is shared by his witnesses. The apostles suffered. Many saints throughout the church's history have suffered. And we too, in our witness, suffer for the glory of Christ. When Christ returns, though, he will judge the world. And the invisible glory of his cross will be made visible to all. Then the glory of our suffering, as his witnesses, will be known. And he will glorify those who have received the glory of his cross. And he will also humble those that did not. Until then, we who are his witnesses carry forth the message of the cross to serve others in helping them understand what God's glory truly is and where it is found. While we may not receive temporary glory as his witnesses on earth, his glory will remain with all his witnesses as we stand before his heavenly throne. Thus, by the theology of the cross, we understand that Christ's glory is found in his suffering for our sins. Our own glory is as nothing. We cannot earn the glory of Christ through our own choice. We cannot be all that we can be, as the army ad would suggest, apart from the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Though the glory we have as Christ's witnesses is made invisible by his ascension, yet it is present through the witness made in us by our faith. While the glory of God is upon all who believe, it is easily mistaken to be natural human ability. The theology of God twists God's glory into a triumph over suffering, while the theology of the cross reveals God's glory to be his suffering. As his church on earth, we lack the visible glory of his achievement, and yet the true glory of God is present in our suffering. 
the cross of Christ then, which is the glory of his ascension, has given comfort and aid to all who bear a cross themselves. By bearing witness to the glory of his suffering, we too will one day stand in the glory which our ascended Lord has prepared for us. Until that day, we trust that by his body and blood, he has made us to be all that we can be. Amen.